0: Hey everyone, it's Nellie Thomas here. How are you doing? This is Dear Nellie, sex relationships and dating from the other side of 40. We hope you're loving the podcast as much as we are. A few quick things before we get into the show. Uh, For information about our fabulous live shows, which we do semi regularly, go to NellieThomas.com and follow the links. We've just done a few in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and we'll be Back for more early next year in 2024. Now your listener calls are the backbone of this podcast, they're the best, chuck out the rest, take a chance, send me in your question, your comment, your dating story, regret, anything really. We absolutely love hearing from you and you can remain anonymous follow the links on my website or see the show notes for more information to support the podcast and keep it coming out for free please rate it on whatever app you're on now just pull it out hopefully give it a five star rating that helps other people find it tell your mates share it on socials do all that stuff if you can please join patreon or a plus for five bucks a month and you get a bonus episode every month and some other perks if you can't that's also fine just keep listening every week for free we can't do this without yous now, this podcast was recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Last but not least, if you're new to the podcast, this is a sex, dating, and relationships podcast for adults. Let me put it this way if you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shits. So, off your fuck!
3: dear nelly i could use some advice dear nelly yes some help would be nice dear nelly i'm eager to hear your point of view dear nelly there's a lot to explore dear nelly when you're 40 or more
0: Let's do this. All right. Welcome to Dear Nellie, Sex, Dating and Relationships from the Other Side of 40. We are joined by, oh my God, how to describe Alice Fraser, um, lawyer. <laughs> that is exactly initially. how I
1: want to be described is <laughs> to never be able to be fully summed up in one sentence, which me has too. just absolutely ruined do my career. Do not categorize <laughs>
0: me. I'm going to throw a few words out and then you can rebuff them if you don't Candace. like them. Trained in law. Mm-hmm. Right. Impro, improviser, mm-hmm. initially, yep. stand-up comedian. Yep. Podcaster. Yep. Broadcaster. Yep. Writer. Yep. Workshop facilitator. <laughs> far out mum. Yep. Human. <laughs> yeah. Well, human, questionable. <laughs> Depends on the day. <laughs> Three star review for the human part. Yep. My uh, goodness. That's a lot of hats
1: yeah it's an odd it's an odd thing I never feel like I'm doing enough or like the things I'm doing are in themselves enough really um yeah although actually getting through COVID and keeping my career going Mm. was a big shift in that story for me Mm. and also finishing this book was a big like oh yeah I can actually Mm. do things but yeah, that that's the imposter syndrome of somebody who's in a creative industry when most of your family is not. Yes, you know they have real jobs. Yes, so what is mine and does it really count? And do any of the things actually add up to anything?
0: Yes, I understand that feeling, but I'm here to tell you, from I think I'm what ten years older than you, you are definitely doing enough, girl. Like <laughs> far out. When I saw on your socials that you were doing Edinburgh Festival, pregnant. I mean, I had a PTSD reaction. (laughs) (laughs) Edinburgh Fringe just about killed me two times over, let alone if I was also pregnant. Like, that is wild.
1: It was a really interesting exercise in, first of all, not doing, because I was doing it with the toddler and pregnant, so yeah. not doing all this, the, like, promo spots and the kind of yeah. the pushing that side of things and, yeah. you know, not trying to get in for, with the awards people and not doing yeah. all of that stuff, and not the social side, just actually doing the job, mm. which I love. Mm. And then also because I'm you know, somewhat on the like lovey-dovey hippie side of things, feeling like a real responsibility not to get too stressed out Yeah. because I'm pregnant, I'm carrying this little person in me, that all the excitement I feel should be positive excitement. Yeah. So not reading reviews, not checking audience numbers, really Mm. just going, I have a duty, Mm. (laughs) not just to myself, Mm. but like a duty Mm. to be happy and Mm. relaxed through this Mm. month if I'm going to do it. Yes. carrying this other person who's entirely dependent yeah. on my hormonal and endocrine system. Like yes turns out you can,
0: you can. Well, you know what though? What You can have a nice Edinburgh.
1: That?
0: You can have a nice Edinburgh if you let all that other shit go. It reminds me, I remember seeing my doctor with my first child and basically he said, I wish you would take care of yourself the same way you are right now when you're not pregnant. Uh (laughs) and it really struck me like it's very confronting as a you know feminista communista where I'm like oh of course I will do these things because of this other human that I have a responsibility to rather than going why aren't you enough
1: yeah yeah so this is this is a, a recent fairly recent hack that I've done on my own brain which is that I don't so th- this is like finishing the book kind of helped me through this mm. of like, I've always focused on work that is deliverable to other people. Yeah. And in the same way, care that is deliverable to other yes. people rather than care for myself. To
0: yourself. Yeah.
1: And I've spent my whole life sort of kicking myself about that as a character failing. Yes. That I can't sit down and write for eight hours. If yes. somebody wants something from me, I'll put in the work and get it done. Yeah. Um, And then I was like, well, actually, if I just set up other people to need things from me, then I will always deliver. Yeah, So what I need to do is decide what I want to do and then set up the structures so they're asking it of me.
0: I totally understand. And that is, um, I mean, in terms of this podcast, that is the joy of (laughs) ageing. right of finally getting to that point where you start to really and for a lot of people I think it is around 40 for some it's earlier some it's later where you start to shed scripts that aren't yours you know like you don't need to read reviews you don't need the validation of the car guy in the fucking herald sun right (laughs) just ignore it and do the work well,
1: but, but but also that, that there is a, there's a shortcut to the work, which is that you mm. can either fix, I can fix my brain probably, mm. and that's a lifelong work where, mm. you know, maybe I can make myself have high enough self-esteem that I will deliver for myself. Mm. Or I can just be like, I'm going to hire an editor mm. and they are going to need a chapter from me every week.
0: Yeah. Yes, and I, so you've you got know, a deadline, yeah.
1: And then I've got the deadline. And so... Meanwhile, you know, mm. you can heal the hole in your soul and that's a long and ongoing work. Mm. But actually just hacking the brain that you have rather mm. than feeling shit about the brain you have. Yeah, that's right. And just accepting it's so much it. more effective.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I call it shouting into the wind. You yeah. know, it's like I shouldn't be this, I shouldn't do that, this person shouldn't be this. And I mean in the context of dating and relationships in the broad sense, romantic or otherwise. I mean one thing I've learned over life you cannot you have to take people how they are today. you know you can't say or or leave them right, yeah. but you that idea that you sit there going, Well, if you just would do this, then your behavior would improve or you would be easier to you can't meet people like that,
1: yeah, one of the best um one of the best pieces of advice I got about relationships was off one of these like bananas um uh, sort of Christian ladies online who does the you know wife whatever they call it uh, yeah. trad wife
0: trad wife things. traditional wife yeah
1: um, but you know I try not to try not to let the the personality influence my my opinion of the advice and yeah. um, she said one of the one of the good ways to approach a relationship whether it's and obviously for her it was with her husband but like I think even with your friends yeah. or your loved ones in other ways is like. They're your PhD subject. So when they do something annoying or weird, your Mm. reaction isn't anger, it's curiosity.
0: Yes. Like, ah, where did that
1: come from? Yeah. Yeah. And maybe the answer is, oh, they're they're fucked and you don't want to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But not letting it trigger that kind of uh, like (laughs) weirdly for something that's like romantic and in your body and and, Mm. or even with friends, it's in your body. It's like, Mm about your feelings, having that slightly academic angle I yeah. think has really, really helped me because it's where I'm comfortable. It's like, huh, yes. interesting. Yes. Because I'm like, oh, my feelings. <laughs> you know?
0: The curiosity, I think we've talked about that before in terms of arguments. Mm. You know, if you go into an argument determined to win or to um, be right, you know, it's that old thing, do you want to be right, do you want to be happy? If you go in with curiosity, you're far more likely, A, to de-escalate the situation and, B, to be happy at the end of it.
1: Yeah. I really like finding out why I'm wrong. I don't like being wrong. It's a fucking (laughs) horrendous feeling and, like, having to, like, dismantle some part of yourself that you felt was, like, was a real load-bearing opinion or something. Like, I really don't like that feeling. Yeah. But the, like figuring out where there was a glitch or a mismatch or where you just took someone's word for it. But actually that's Mm. a, that I Mm. think is like a a real thrill.
0: Yeah. Or you projected or you misunderstood or you even, I mean, as benign as in this age of texting, you missed tone, you Mm. know, or there were so many messages you missed one and that would have contextualised the others. Yeah. I think that curiosity is a really interesting thing to keep in mind in this way and for yourself you know so when you are doing that imposter shit which is absolutely not true yeah end of story but we all do it to then go where's that coming from yeah you know rather Hmm. than Alice don't be so weak
1: yeah why am I being mental right now yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) what happened to me you know and obviously you can do you can over excavate I think if you're an academic, you know, if you're a thinking person, you can over-analyze that. But I think it's a good place to start to kind of go, why am I, where did this feeling come from? Because it doesn't actually seem real.
1: Yeah, I think the analysis, um, while I love it, can also be a bit of a a trap because it doesn't it necessarily solve the problem to understand the problem no like i know why i feel the need to overachieve it's because my mom was sick and she didn't get to so i feel like my time is limited and mm. i feel like i have to prove things and part mm. of what i have to prove is that she could have done brilliant things if she hadn't been sick because she was more naturally brilliant than i am and so i have to sort of you know and that's what it is mm. Mm. but i Did you ever see Laura Davis's show Pillow of Strength? No. So Laura's uh, one of my best friends in the whole world and she did a show called Pillow of Strength and the thing that stuck with me out of that incredible show was it was a show about how she fooled herself in an abusive relationship into thinking that because she understood why he was doing this hurtful shit.
0: Yes.
1: By understanding why she thought that it wasn't hurting her yes because she and this is a really interesting thing that i don't think gets talked about in no, enough discussions of abuse that you mm. feel like the bigger man
0: You're mm. like
1: oh i i can take it mm. he's damaged he's mm. weak i'm mm. the one who can take it because i understand i get it i can mm. forgive him mm. he's you know he's mm. a baby in this situation mm. Mm. and that understanding and that analysis and that kind of ability to encompass something in your intellect mm. doesn't actually stop it from damaging you.
0: Of course it doesn't. And it that is a, if we do, I mean, obviously the mind-body separation is complicated, but let's just accept it as a premise. That's nothing to do with what's happening in your body. It's all in your brain. So yeah. your brain's going, oh, I understand because this happened to him in childhood or she experienced this or what... That is not a pass. Like I can't be any more clear. It is not okay to behave in an well, abusive we all, way. We
1: all know people who've been in therapy forever who are just as fucked up as they ever were. We all know people who uh, stand up. I feel I just, abused, Alice. <laughs> to <the> stand-up <laughs> comedians who get on stage and like, I'm a piece of shit and these are the ways in yeah. which I'm a piece of shit. And then yeah. after like a couple of years you're like, and And
0: what have you been doing
1: about it and what's the next you know oh you know I did this terrible thing and I did this shameful thing and that's what's funny about me is that I'm a piece of shit, but I'm self-aware yeah and therefore it's forgivable because I understand what a piece of shit I am yeah no
0: no no and it's not funny being a
1: bad friend
0: yeah that's right change Like you have the resources to change. And I think we're at an interesting moment. So when I worked in family violence, it's like 20 years ago, more than 20 years ago, and there was a lot less information, particularly around coercive control, emotional abuse, all that. It was very physically based in the ether, right? Now we have a lot more understanding about that. But at the same time, we have this proliferation of pop psychology. So you've got these two things that kind of enable each other. In a way, because you can read the memes and read the books and go, oh, I understand. Like I can say, I understand trauma and PTSD and uh, well, that's all well and good. And you can have sympathy. That doesn't mean you have to be in a relationship with that person. Like it's not okay. Yes,
1: yes. Yeah. And and the sort of odd idea that having suffered makes you immune from inflicting suffering.
0: It sure does not. You know, Mm -hmm. one of the things just for the purposes of the listeners that um, I always come back to, there was a really strong trend in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s, where men's mental health um, became a lot more of a prominent discussion. And there are a lot of discussions about The contribution of, say, depression, addiction, a whole range of other things to family violence, which always really irritated me because anyone who's worked with perpetrators of family violence knows they make choices to do that to the person that they live with. If they were in, for example, a psychotic episode, they would punch the bouncer they would have a go at the guy at the servo they would take their dad on they would they are making a conscious choice to perpetuate that in their household
1: so it's like this is a super fascinating thing about what one of the interesting things to follow if you follow uh, mm. psychology or brain stuff is the ways in which various forms of madness track technology mm so there was a, a, a Russian princess who, mm. when glass was becoming like really widely available, beautiful, clear glass in like large quantities, h- had the delusion that mm. she was made of glass. Mm. And then, you know, people who are having psychoses at various mm. times in history thought it was the FBI or aliens mm. or mm. God. Mm. So that you have, you know, the mental illness, the the mm. madness that is in you, whatever it is. But it is not just the thing. It attaches to what's happening in society. Correct. And the influences and the opinions that you have formed about mm. what, what, what's powerful and what's important and mm. what's a valid target. Yes. And, and so you might be mad, mm. but the direction in which your madness goes
0: mm.
1: is not random.
0: It's absolutely not random. And I mean, to me, it's as simple as if violence was excused by alcohol, depression, you know, a whole range of other things that we hear about, then there'd be a lot more violent women, right? So, you know, it's, it is contributing factor. No doubt there's a contributing factor to the extent of violence, for example, and the, the um, seriousness of injuries to be really explicit, but it's not the cause. It is not yeah. the course, and we have to stop um, excusing it. I think.
1: Yeah, I remember there was a guy um, who used to chop up bits of newspaper and foil and throw them at you. He'd jump oh. out of the bushes and throw them at you and sort of scream okay. bits of Bible verse and and mm. swearing. Um, and I I remember very clearly walking with my friend Joseph, uh, who is six foot two, Mm. broad, built like a a rugby Mm. player and we were walking up to the corner that this man used to Mm. inhabit Um, and I put my hand on Joseph's shoulder just to be like, oh, sorry I should, Mm. this guy's going to leap out uh, in a second Yeah. and I saw the guy start to move and then Mm. clock how big Joseph was and then pop back into his little and I was like
3: Mm. okay, Mm. (laughs) three things, Mm. first of
1: all Joseph lives in a world that that man does not exist. Yep. He walks through the streets thinking the streets are not full of people who jump out at you and throw things.
0: Mm. Mm. Joseph does what? not have his keys between his fingers. Yeah. He's not sitting in the back corner of the train so he can see all the stuff. Yeah.
1: You're missing out. The keys between the fingers. You never know when you're <laughs> going to meet the thief whose heart you can unlock. Um, <laughs> number two, this guy would, would have conversations with pigeons. He was completely disconnected from the reality that we inhabit. But there was some survival instinct that went, ah, nah.
0: No, totally. (laughs) Not the big guy. Do you know what else? There's not a, in this context, there's a lack of cultural and personal permission. And I think that is the the key. When you work with perpetrators of whatever gender, usually male is the truth. That is just the stats. But there are female Mm -hmm. perpetrators. They have an entitlement to control and that is highly gendered, culturally specific and a reason why that kind of guy talking to the pigeon is going to throw something at you and not at Joseph.
1: So one of the super weird counterintuitive and like uh, glitchy things that I found out um, from a friend of mine who does like a lot of work in refugee camps Mm. is that one of the things that makes abuse less psychologically damaging mm. is if everyone is undergoing it.
0: Yes, 100%. So if you're in a society where everyone yes. hits
1: their wives, it's not that you won't be as yes. physically damaged. Yes. But you're just kind of like, oh, well. Yes. Whereas if, if you think it's, if it's a terrible, dirty secret and you think mm. it's just happening to you, mm. that's more damaging. Mm. Now, this is what? not an argument for everyone to hit their wives. No. But... Yes, what it is saying is is about this entitlement,
0: mm. and what you feel entitled to sort of mm. plays into this story. Well, and I think to me it makes complete sense because if a whole group of people are going through a collective trauma, it's not personalised and individualised. Mm. And also going back to your point, you can't then be um, the victim survivor in your brain going oh but why did he do it what happened like this happened to him you why can't me? be excusing it you yeah. know what I mean
1: yeah
0: there's a collective except fuck we've gone dark Alice
1: yeah sorry <laughs> sorry let's talk about relationships <laughs>
0: two comedians meet on a podcast <laughs> <laughs> that's all right you know what this is all part of it so I'm very interested speaking of um I mean, it's an, it's a difficult area, but you've raised it, so I'm going to ask you about it. This self-esteem issue, I would like to know, A, where it comes from. I mean, I understand the trajectory of the perfectionist thing of I've, I've kind of got to live for my mum. I get that part. Did it precede that or did it come from that experience of losing your mum?
1: Well, my mum was sick my whole life. She had MS. Yeah. Um, and so looking after her... Was the way that I grew up, yeah. Um, and there were things that we did as a family that were, you know, I think we dealt with it as a family about as well as anyone could. Mm, mm. But a lot of those ways of thinking and behaviours are not really optimized for life outside of that extreme situation. Yes. Um, yes. And it 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 is. It's a really. F- funny set of circumstances because mm. if anyone had been doing it on purpose it would have been abusive but what yes. it was was just a shitty situation where you had for example the reality that if we my twin brother and i were too emotional or too intense or too mm. self-focused mm. or made life hard for the people around us in the way mm. the children do mm. um when mum was distressed she got sicker yeah so yeah, yeah. that's if, yeah. if if you had a narcissistic parent going oh you're making mummy sick
0: yes that yes, would yes. fuck
1: up a child
0: yes uh, but mummy was what it was sick.
1: was actually yeah. that was actually what yeah. would happen if she was tired if she was exhausted yeah. so you know if for example the house was messy and dad mentioned it when he came home from work then mum mm. would be upset and beat herself up about it and then she mm. would get sick so mm. what do you do you make you sure don't that
0: mention it doesn't
1: yeah. happen you yeah. make sure that the house is yeah. clean you make sure that yes. the, everything is easy and nice and and not only that everything is easy and nice mm. but that no one sees the work that you put in to make yes. it easy and nice
0: oh because yes
1: because you don't want them to feel like shitty parents no <laughs> because that in itself is is upsetting to think yeah. that people are working really hard to keep you happy and comfortable
0: oh yes so it, yes yes yes
1: that, again, you know, and and there were like really nice family stories about that mm. we had that about looking after each other that helped us and uh, mm. through this situation. It was you know we were united against the common enemy that was yep. mum's illness. Mm. Um, but when you take those habits into the real world and into relationships,
0: mm.
1: Mm. you can fall into pretty bad patterns. Mm. Um, not communicating think, your needs.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, not having any.
1: Not having any. <laughs> Let alone any
0: communicating yet. them. Making yeah. yourself
1: I- invisible mm. or amenable or mm. whatever it happens to be or thinking of conflict as dangerous. Yes. Thinking of of making a fuss as dangerous, thinking of drawing a yes. boundary as potentially harmful. Yes. Like, I don't think I knew until my 20s that you could have a fight and it not be the end of a friendship.
0: Yeah. Yeah. that you could
1: have a fight and that was actually good.
0: Yeah, like, repair. That repair. Yes. Yeah, that
1: it was, it, it was actively better to have a fight
0: mm. than not. Mm. Yes, that's right. <laughs> like, because if everything is, if you are hiding the work in the broad sense, the literal work and then the emotional work, then you're that duck just like your feet are like paddling madly under the water, but you're kind of cruising along and nothing's getting sorted out.
1: Well, and in the same way of like, it's not fair to the people you're with mm. to let them be annoying.
0: <laughs> like, yes, yeah, yeah, to not because pull they, them up if on they their knew shit. that
1: if they knew they were being shitty, if they knew they were being yeah. lazy, if they knew they were missing yeah. the ball, if they knew they were hurting their feelings, your feelings, your
0: feelings, yeah, um, they yeah. would feel like shit. Yes.
1: And if I found out that someone had been secretly, you know, yes. being hurt by me yes. for Resentful. years, I would feel dreadful. Yeah. And it's yeah. not fair to someone to not let them be yeah. better, yeah, become better, give them yeah. the opportunity to be better. So, mm. like that, learning that was like fucking hard work, man.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm I still think not good on- at it. I was going to say that's an ongoing thing. If you've been, for whatever reason, a parentified child is the way that I'd put it in shorthand undoing that um i mean that's a lifetime of work but you can like you get you get better you get better and the more you practice it because i find that fascinating the idea of your coping mechanisms individually and as a family served you under extreme circumstances and i would say the same in my upbringing for different reasons and there'd be other people who i'm sure listening who would relate to it for the same or different reasons the problem is Once you're then removed from that situation, those coping mechanisms are maladaptive yeah, and they start to harm you and potentially other people. And that's the work, right? That's why I'm always banging on about how important therapy is or whatever it is you need to do to do that inner work. But you got to make those connections or I don't know how you do relationships in a healthy way.
1: Well, you end up with people who need you or can't live without you. Yeah. Um, Yeah who aren't good for you yeah and then you're in a situation where what you have to suffer for the rest of your life and swallow it yeah or they get hurt yeah you know you can put yourself into really nasty yeah corners where you make yourself responsible responsible for somebody else's emotions in a way that isn't good for you and isn't good for them
0: Oh my God, Alice! I feel like you're doctor filling me. I don't know if you're talking to me, <laughs> but I feel like you're talking to me. I feel both seen and terrified at the same time. Well,
1: it's it's one of those comedian <laughs> things as well. Yeah, There's for so sure. many comedians who have a version of this that that yeah. so much about being with a crowd is this c- control thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can
1: make them happy. <laughs> oh my, and
0: I can control the narrative. And I can be heard. I mean, whenever I'm interviewed about, you know, people always want to know how do you get into comedy? Why would you want to be a comedian? Were you the class clown? Like, no, no, most of us weren't class clowns. Like, we were the nerds. We come from situations and families for whatever reason, a range of reasons where we weren't heard or didn't feel seen. And there's something about being on stage and the little Nellie and the little Alice going, you're going to listen to me now you know yeah. Yeah. and that's the power of it and also the terror
1: yeah yes uh, you look back at your own work and you see the through lines you know that, oh yeah at the time it felt like one thing and then another thing but in, in retrospect you can draw a straight line through the things
0: you know and don't you of... hate that i yeah. hate yeah. that yeah. when i look back at it and i go oh god that was so transparent mm-hmm. i thought <laughs> i was being so clever <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, well, I mean, for me, I look back at the work that I've done that often deals with, like, quite hard issues and a lot yeah. of it is, like, wanting in a slightly vicious way to yeah. use comedy to to ease people into a yeah. position where they trust me enough that I can take them yeah. by the cheeks and point their eyes at a thing that they yes. wouldn't look at otherwise. And I go, yes. fucking look at it.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and, and, and you're safe with me and I'll bring you out yeah. into a, another laugh yeah but fucking look at this thing yeah look, you right to look at it walk toward
0: you know? it absolutely so tell me as i know you're and i completely respect this i know you're very private about your private life whatever we call that but can we confirm that you are in a relationship
1: Yes, I'm. I'm. I'm locked down. I'm in a solid one. I've got. I've got a toddler and another one on the way, and I am yeah. co-parenting. So, yeah, you
0: know, not in the mar- on the market.
1: Not on the market. Uh, yeah. this is a, a really. So when I started out in comedy, yeah, I um, there was a trend, and I think it's partly because there was only ever one woman on the bill. Yeah, so you'd you'd tend to see women talking about more or less the same. Mm stuff mm. uh, because comedy is a dialectic you're talking mm. you're like well i won't talk about that because she's talking about that and i will talk yeah. about this um there was just a ha- like i don't know i must have just seen a run of comedians who would open their sets with like my boyfriend this or my girlfriend yeah. this or why am i single yes and
0: you i didn't just want thought, to do that.
1: yeah well i didn't want to do that i didn't mm. want that to be my material yeah um and so just out of the gate, as a kind of creative restri- constraint, I said, I'm never going to talk about my relationships mm. or mm. my sexuality mm. uh, or my gender. I'm just mm. going to do the jokes. Yeah. And part of that was an internalised sexism as mm. well, that I didn't want to be a female comic. I just want to be girl. a comic, you know, yeah, a real yeah. comic, not a female yeah. comic, a real comic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and then... Uh, I was with someone who didn't want to be part of my stand-up. Yeah. yeah. Um, in you know, my twin brother, for example, never wants to be part of my stand-up. Mm. Um, and then I realised how useful that is as a way of staying sane about mm. the stories that I tell, which are very personal, to remind mm. myself that they are craft, like yes. Savage, which is about the suffering and death of mm. my mum. Mm. My twin brother does not appear in that story.
3: Mm. Well, so I know mm. it's not mm.
1: the whole truth. Mm. It's a very razor-thin slice of reality mm. that I'm using to make a point artistically mm. Mm. and that I feel makes me freer than if I could talk about, like, sex problems that I had last night. <laughs> you know, like, I can talk Although
0: about... Although I'm here for that too. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what, though? Honestly, I have, I mean, by the time you and I met, I'd stopped doing stand up, So appreciate, and I'm, you know, pre, pre YouTube. So, um, but I was actually very similar, but for different reasons. Like for me, it's an ethical dilemma is um, the way I put it. I think there is a incredible power imbalance. If you get up on, like, I can't bear when I see people get up on stage and eviscerate their exes, yeah. or their current partner or or their children you know like i just they didn't sign up for that they not they don't have a right of reply and the trade off is to go okay then i can't tell the whole story okay but i get to be a human
1: well you know and and, and also you never get to tell the whole story no like of
0: course you don't
1: there's so many like the between um between what exists in reality, what mm. you can see, what you can understand, and what mm. you can express, there's like mm. four or five steps of distillation. Yeah, yeah. That, that that means that even if you're just filming mm. reality, mm. you're making choices about where to point the camera, mm. and and there's bits that aren't coming across. What does it What does it smell like? Mm. You know, what's the vibe?
0: What's the uh, the vibe in the room? And also, Alice, the author's dead. You've been to uni. You know that (laughs) (laughs) this leads aside the audience and the projections that they bring to your stories and your personality and their impression of you and all of that kind of stuff. I think I have no problem with that editing and particularly in the context of today's podcast, we do not need to go anywhere that you don't want to go.
1: Well, I mean, for me this process is, like, so fascinating. Mm. Because, yeah, between your mouth and and the audience's ears, there's a massive Mm. gap. I've done the same show to an audience and had Mm. two emails, one person who said that, you know, this subject was so freeing for them because they were in the Mm. midst of, you know, this suffering and and Mm. they felt really relieved, and another person who said, you should have a trigger warning on this, it's so traumatic. Yes,
0: yes, yes. And you know what, Alice, on an even more... You're like, yes, um, correct. Yes, Both correct. of you. Correct. On an more benign You're level, <laughs> you will walk out on stage. I will walk, anyone will walk out on stage. One person will read my gait, my face, my clothing, my hairstyle, my whatever in a completely different way, my age, my size, whatever, in a completely different way to the next person, and they are listening to me through that lens.
1: Yep. It's one you of know, the reasons so... why I don't play the banjo as much in the UK. Really? Um, yeah, because in Australia, people can read my accent Yeah. Um, as a particular thing and they make assumptions about that. Yeah. And so, or just even when I started out, the fact that I was a woman. Yes. But like just coming out with a banjo, which is a slightly unusual instrument, just gives yeah. you that second of grace where they're not sure yeah. what to make of you and you get yes. to help them yes. decide what to make of you. Yes. Um, And in the UK... Yeah, I, I, I am the banjo. Like you can't <laughs> necessarily read my accent. They can't necessarily place me. So you, I have that second to yes. help them, to help control. Isn't that that, uh,
0: that stuff so fascinating that, yeah. you know, just the, the amount of, the, so the banjo basically lets the, uh, the way that I would read it, if I can do a cultural studies analysis yes, of Alice Fraser is, you know, this might be uncomfortable for you, but you're a very good looking woman you walk out on stage. That can actually be a real negative in stand-up in terms of being taken seriously, depending on the audience that you're in front of. And you walk out on stage. You're softly spoken. You're well spoken. The banjo lets people know I'm a bit weird. Yeah. It's all right. Chill.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes, and it's a way of it's a way of doing that thing that I so I I, I never wanted to be. um self deprecating on stage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In a way that a lot of Australian comics yeah. are.
0: Yeah. no, I don't like. I didn't it want
1: either. to put myself down.
0: No, good. Good. And so
1: it's a way but then the obviously the counterpoint is the comedy is a status game and if they, if you come mm. in and they think you think you're better than them, mm. um mm. then you you're fucked. Mm. <laughs> um mm. so it's a way of yeah, just just changing up the status two-stepping them on status so they're not quite sure
0: well you're you fucked if you're, you're a young hot woman right well, there's plenty yeah. of guys who come out on stage high status and the audience will accept that and in yeah, fact true. be abused by the performer yeah 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 okay this yeah, is so true. interesting this is so fun he's abusing you right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, what you and depressing. I got a nerd out on comedy I'm gonna move us on Right, I'm going to hit you with a meme. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your
1: health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More
0: at uh1.com. This is a very middle aged thing to do, and you're going to just go with it, mm-hmm. my love. Okay, so yes. armchair expert. I would like to know, this is some meme from, what is it? Happy and healthy life page on Facebook. (laughs) And (laughs) shut up, leave it, Mm -hmm. leave it. Mm -hmm. It says, don't feel bad if someone rejects you. People usually reject expensive things because they can't afford them. (laughs) Side splitting. But the reason I want to ask you about this is because I'm fascinated to pick your brain about rejection. Okay, so a lot of people listening to this podcast will be in the situation where they are dating, Um, some for the first time in decades, some have been dating for a long time. You cannot be in the relationships, friendships, family ether and not get rejected. Mm. So do you have any pearls of wisdom on rejection? How do you handle rejection?
1: Mm. I would have done better in life had I failed More often earlier. Mm. Uh, I think it's important to fail Mm. a lot and realize. In work or
0: relationships? In everything. In everything. Yeah.
1: I think it's important to take the sting out of failure. I think um, I have a friend who has a teenage daughter who Mm. is on the autism spectrum and she's Mm. terrified of failure. Yeah. Um, And she's driving herself up the wall with Mm. this sort of crippling uh, mm. fear that means she mm. can't do anything. Mm. Um, and my advice to her, which helped crystallise my advice to myself, was find something low stakes that you don't care about and, and go file. and fail at it heaps. Yeah. Yeah. Pottery, fucking yeah. bonsai, yeah. <laughs> something that means yeah. nothing to yeah. you. And Baking, me, that's whatever. that's comedy was. Yeah, when I right. started out, it was a safe place to fail where no one would be hurt if I failed. It just,
3: yeah, you know,
1: something that wasn't part of my identity. I am not a comedian. Mm. I do comedy. It's a thing that I do mm. and it does well or badly and that's interesting,
3: mm. but it's
1: not gutting. Mm. I'm not a failure. Mm. That thing failed. Mm. So whatever that is for you take the stakes out of it, find the place mm. that you can fail and fail and fail and fail mm. because then you realise that people still love you if you fail and you realise mm. that you're not r- ruining anything
0: mm. if you
1: fail and then
0: can I just rejection up on is a that? form of
1: that, right?
0: Exactly because I think that is such a perfect way to approach dating. So rather than going I failed at this, I have been rejected, I to reframe it. And go. Oh, this one didn't work out, right? That date I wasn't didn't work.
1: I wonder why.
0: Yeah, that didn't you know. work. And you might say, "I wonder why," or you might go, "Okay, yeah." You well, know, I,
1: I mean, yeah. Just just doing the the process. Also, it's casting, right? You don't actually <laughs> know someone from a date. You don't no. actually know if they're a a good actor or not. No, <laughs> you, know? you don't
0: know them for some time. Indeed, yeah. So.
1: Yeah. what they are rejecting yeah isn't you yeah it's yeah. some vision of themselves that yes. they have yeah um and that could be completely limited imagination
0: on their part and it could it, be their vision of you so going back to that idea of when you walk out on stage unconsciously or consciously people are reading yeah. you but that's Same the thing. On a i date. don't
1: think they have a vision of you
0: yeah Yes, right. They can't see something. it all. Yeah. They're looking
1: at you on stage and they're like that's the girl who bullied me in high school.
0: Yes.
1: Or which is you're not. You're not that. No. Or you know they've got a vision in their head of what you know in 5 years from now I'm going to be on a yacht not with this woman. Yeah. Who they've never met.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: it's it's got to do with their like I said it's casting. Yeah. And if you're not what they imagined for that role, mm. They're not wrong, but also there's nothing wrong with you.
0: Yeah, neither of you are wrong. It didn't yeah. work out. I mean, unless they were an absolute asshole or you were. But there's well, going you can make a be... strong
1: argument that like this would have been a better movie if you'd cast yeah a different person. They yeah. didn't look exactly as you imagined.
0: Yeah, or we made Frodo it would in a different whatever. year. You <laughs> yeah. know, like it could be as simple as that. Sometimes you got right person, wrong time. I am going to give you a listener call. Are you ready?
2: Yes. I'm a um, massive fan of this. I obviously, obviously, the door open, um, which I was just a huge fan of from the start. Um, and, yeah, I really loved listening to Dianelli. I am actually 36, so I'm not over 40, and I am um, married. Um, I'm married to a man who is um, 50 and is on his second marriage, so I have three stepchildren Um, 16, 15 and eight and a baby of my own who is six months. Um, obviously being in a marriage with someone who's been married before is, uh, interesting and certainly as someone who is older, um, I must admit he works really hard on trying not to make the same mistakes, um, over, which I appreciate, but I would think he's quite a hyper-masculine man, um, and you know, almost a bit of a cliche, um, within himself, um, I have noticed, um, as I kind of move into my finishing my first year of marriage, well, not <laughs> finishing, but uh, getting to the end of my first year of marriage, um, there are certain things in which he does that frustrates me. That when I speak to my friends, it's kind of like, oh, that's men, that's men. Um, mostly, I guess, um, I spend a lot of time organizing the household and, um, making sure everything runs smoothly, especially with, um, you know, uh, on every second weekend for children, um, different ages, different needs and making sure that, um, everyone has something to do and um, to eat and things like that. Um, and I really try to make sure everyone is covered to spend enough time with their dad, um. But he will frequently forget the plans I've made Um, and then, you know, if someone asks, one of his kids asks him to do something, he'll say yes without realising that I've planned things. And um, he's, you know, what he is is the kind of dad that just wants to say yes to everything because he's obsessed with his children. Um, However, it's very frustrating. Um, I'm wondering if you would have any advice, um, especially as someone who I suppose um, has been in a relationship in which things like that, I would imagine, um, create resentment over time. Now, do I think he'll ever remember every plan we have? No. Um, is there, do you think, any advice you'd give to someone um, in you know a relationship with a hetero man as to, I guess, how to find a way that it's not just um, me getting irritated with him all the time over just basic things that men do? I suppose at what point um, do we kind of give up on weaponized competence, if you will? <laughs> um, and you know, when do I say I need a, a level of effort that um, future bring to this? Um, because I imagine so many of the women who listen to you have had situations like this in relationships where men just are being men, um, however, you know, I can already see a year in how easy it would be to have this um, build and a resentment. Um, so any advice you have on um, how to, I guess, navigate that, I guess if you had your time again or things you might do differently, um, would be great to know. So thank you. Keep up the amazing work um, and just, you know, just being this incredible, authentic, genuine powerhouse of a person who I am just in awe of. Oh yes.
0: well I mean, thank you for the last thing that's lovely um wow I mean I have so many thoughts but let's start with yours what do you think
1: uh when is the time to tell him fucking now yes now. yes now. it's not fair to him to be cultivating resentment in yourself mm. um my you know, you're making all these effort, all these plans, and he's mm. ignoring them. Either because he doesn't see them, he doesn't mm. understand how much work is going into them, mm. um, or because those things aren't important to him.
3: Mm.
1: I don't think it's your responsibility to manage his children's relationship with him. Mm. Um, so maybe just let stop. let him let it be on him. Mm. <laughs> let it be, and, and to, don't just stop. But like, just go. Hey, mm. I've been putting in all this work. This is the work I've been putting in. Mm doesn't seem to be um something that you value Mm. Mm. um so i'm gonna stop Mm. so the weekend we're not gonna make plans you can decide what the plans are i'll go along Mm. with it they're your kids Mm. um i'm easy Mm. and i'll either come along if it's something i can do with the baby or i'll stay at home and relax Mm. um
3: Mm.
1: or you can take the fucking baby and i'll stay at home and put my feet up like yeah I, i i don't think it's worth trying to be perfect if the crop that you're reaping is your own resentment
0: Mm. oh absolutely so a couple of things came to me um wonderful Helen Thorne who's been on the podcast a couple of times shared a great bit of advice where that was given to her which is choose guilt over resentment because guilt will pass resentment will grow So in the, that first moment that you say, look, I'm not going to organize all the stuff for the weekend. Um, If you organize it, like I might join in, you're going to feel like shit. If you're used to being a people pleaser, if you're used to running the family, if you've taken that role on consciously or unconsciously, you're going to feel bad the first couple of times. Eventually you will get used to that feeling and hopefully things will shift. The opposite is that you will continue to do this and that resentment will absolutely build and fester and you can't, there's a point you can't come back from it, right? Even if they agree to change and how many times do we see in relationships of all gender configurations where it comes to the end and the other person says, oh, I'll change that. Well, the drawbridge is up now. You know, there's a point at which you can't come back.
1: Yeah, and and love is Paying attention. It's not yes. mind reading necessarily. Yes. Yes. So how clued in is this guy about yes. the effort you're putting in and about the hurt that he's causing? Yeah. I I, I don't know what your communication levels are like, mm. but you know I assume he loves you, you're married. Mm. <laughs> um mm. Mm. so give him the chance to be better. Mm. Give him the chance not to be the shitty man. Yeah. You know, whether that's making the invisible load Visible,
0: visible, yeah.
1: By describing it as it mm. as you go, mm. or making an making an invisible load visible by mm. going on strike, yes, um, or just having the conversation mm. and making a plan for how you are going to go forward. Because you like just even, mm. hey, mm. I don't want to be resentful of you. Yes. <laughs> I love you. Yes, this is what is making me resentful of you. So, yes. Would you like to pick up the slack or would you like me to just back off?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How can we manage conversation? It? Yes. You know, I 100% agree. One thing I will say, though, which I have experienced and I hear so many, particularly female callers, but not just say, mm-hmm. communication is not just about the telling. They have to listen right? So I think we're also, because of the time that we're in, where we are more aware of communication and pop psychology and maybe actual therapy, we think it's enough to say, you're hurting my feelings. My resentment is growing. I need you to start picking up your towels. That does not mean they are going to hear it. And there will be women screaming into their fucking earphones, listening to this going, I've tried to do that. Right? I've yeah. tried and they're not coming to the party.
1: They're not, yeah. this. I mean, this is very true. Obviously, like I said, I don't know this person's level of yeah. communication with their no. partner. But, like, just making it our problem rather than yes. your problem. Yes. Like, this is a problem that I want you to help me solve. Yes. Um, What can we do? Yes. Because this is not sustainable. No. It's Um, not
0: sustainable. And I think the idea, I don't know, I could be reading too much between the lines, but I have the sense from a couple of things she said, the idea, it sounds like her friends are literally saying this to her, the idea that um, this is just what men do. I unequivocally do not accept that, right? We know that there are men who don't do that. We know that men are competent, capable people. I will also say someone who's been in relationships with men and women, there are women who do this. Right, so can we please take the, the? not that I'm suggesting it's necessarily an excuse, but it's not it's not good enough to kind of go, oh, well, maybe like guys just don't see the dishes. Yeah, they do. They see the dishes and choose not to do them or you haven't communicated. Well, yeah.
1: They see the dishes and it has not been drilled into them that yes. dirty dishes reflects badly on them. Yes. So it is somebody else's, literally it is somebody else's problem because it causes yes. a problem for somebody yes. else. Yes. And you can't expect it to, somebody to be as invested in yeah. solving a problem for somebody else that, as they are for themselves.
3: Mm. Mm. Um,
1: so, yeah, I mean, again, this is one of the things that of, of, of trying to change someone and who they are and he's of mm. an older generation and he's just a mm. man like this. Mm. What, what does he work on? What is mm. his motivator? Maybe mm. you send a fucking calendar invite mm. for a weekly honest conversation about mm. the things that are pissing you off, like whatever it takes. Mm. Doesn't matter how weird or sideways the hack is. No. If it works. Mm. So what 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 does make him work?
0: Mm. Mm.
1: what would make him do the work. I think and if he's what...
0: prepared, my, because I, I hate on advice podcasts where people sit on the fence, so I'm going to give her the advice that I genuinely would give a friend, which yeah. is I would say try that because, again, you and I both don't know what's their level of communication. Is he even yeah. aware? Maybe she's this?
1: expressed this before. Maybe she's never expressed it. I don't Let's know. Let's
0: assume that she hasn't. That would be my first port of call, like try that, sit down, have a state of the nation be really honest. This resentment is building. I'm worried it's going to affect our relationship. It's affecting my um, sense of safety and security, all the things. This is what I'd like to see. If he will not meet you in that conversation or make effort, then you've got a really hard decision to make. And that decision might be, and is for a lot of people, that I can't live like this. And that may actually mean, um, some big decisions about whether or not to end the relationship
1: or the decision could be I can live like this and it will be fucking miserable
0: yeah oh and well yes what do i
1: owe my baby and what do i owe this relationship and what yeah. do i owe i think that's a really that's a really tricky bind to, mm. to find yourself in but yeah it oh, is yeah. it is the decision of like what mm. when you go into a negotiation mm. what are you willing to Mm. spend yes are you willing to you know what's on the table here yes is this yes that you get a shittier wife Mm. for the next 20 years because she's not happy Mm. is it that you don't get a wife next Mm. year Mm. um where where are your lines and kind of be aware Mm. and conscious of them Mm. going into the conversation Mm. not that you should like threaten somebody but you know mm. just know what they are in yourself i would say yes because you know i also on a slightly machiavellian and sneaky level mm. it sounds like his children are older mm. they're capable of having a conversation with you mm. um tell them your plans mm. Mm. <laughs> be mm. like this is what we're doing next week next time you're here we're going to do this mm. and this and this plan mm. it a month in advance mm. and then commit them to it and it doesn't matter whether he wants to
0: come mm. along or not oh you've gone to logistics Alice I like it
1: yeah, yeah. slightly <laughs> Machiavellian but like you know if he's not going to remember they'll mm. remember if you mm. if it's a fun thing that they want to do mm.
0: um
1: and you know what? And if they in don't this... want to do it why would you bother doing it <laughs> yes <laughs>
0: yeah. and in this situation let's say for example you go into this conversation and you're both open and curious and all the things we talked about before and he says look I know that I'm not doing well in this area like I know that I my memory is poor or I've taken this for granted or whatever and can we work together on strategies for me I'm like I'm open let's do that like it's not a black and white you're not doing it we're done or you get this perfect we're done it's not that but I will also say from my own experience and of course I'm just being careful with my own disclosures you know, I remember there was a situation where I was in that classic thing that so many women are in of doing all the work at Christmas. We're heading into Christmas. And I would cook for days and I would do the presents and the trees up and there's fucking reindeer, you know, footprints on the floor and all the rest of it. And there was a point at which I could feel that resentment building and talk to the people involved and said, I don't want to do Christmas this year. I'm exhausted. I want a year off. I want to be able to just show up, laid it all out in a very like kind and generous way. That Christmas, Alice, there was no food, right? So <laughs> there, there is a reality sometimes that no matter how well you communicate, the other parties simply will not meet you where you need to be met and that's where the hard decision comes.
1: Well, and also your how much are you doing this? for you how much is this just this that's the christmas that you want to see yes and how willing are you on the christmas where there's no food to be like all right we're jewish this year let's go see a movie and get some chinese food
0: yeah no not willing alice not willing
1: well then you know that's the thing who who is more invested in in the thing yes um
0: no, I accept that. Something. I accept that. I think you're right about that because you can have a big investment in having a tidy house or a Christmas lunch or whatever you celebrate, all the presents, whatever it is. Having said that, I do think there is some responsibility on your partner to somewhat make that, you know, mm. that's, if it's important to you, yes. then there should be a level at which it's important to them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you know? I agree. I agree, and then it's a sort of a matter of figuring out how to make it easy for them to meet that
0: yeah need for you, or at least meet. You know, we're talking meet sixty percent of it. So you know, like aiming for perfection is is a fool's errand for all of us from both sides.
1: Yeah, without without revealing too much about my own kind of history, I'm not going to place this in time. But I have I have put calendar reminders in. For like, give Alice a hug.
0: Yes. Um, yes. Oh,
1: don't because get I, I need more affection. I need more affection, yes. and then you can resent it. It's like why don't they why don't they love me? No, yes. it's just they they express it in a different way. Yeah. And so, but you're like, okay, I need this is a thing I need, and yeah. I am willing to fucking set up a reminder in your yeah. phone.
0: Yeah. What I will be really clear on though for this caller and listeners okay, I I accept those sorts of strategies, but do not talk yourself into thinking that that's too needy, right? Mm-hmm. It is okay to go, I need a certain level of affection or I need you to make a big deal out of my birthday or whatever it is. The things that matter to you, they should be able to make an attempt to meet that. Yeah, Don't talk yeah. yourself out of it is what I'm saying because no. I think I've certainly done that in the past as well. Go, I shouldn't need that. I shouldn't need that. Well, I do.
1: Well, to go back to Laura Davis's show, just because you understand something or can intellectualise yes. it, doesn't necessarily change the fundamental emotional reality of what's no. going on.
0: That's right. It's,
1: it's not. It doesn't cease to do you damage just because no. you think it's silly that it is doing you damage. Yes,
0: and that um. shit will sit in your body and fester. So I think the short story with the caller, I appreciate the call and I reckon there'll be plenty of people listening, as I said, in all gender configurations, honestly, um, Mm -hmm. who will recognise this because I'm yet to see a relationship that's 50-50 all the time. Like that is simply not the case for most couples. I would say do exactly what Alice has said, like work out what it is you want that he's not doing Come to him and communicate to him in a way that's not um, ultimatum based. To start off with, actually going, going. I'm curious about why this is happening. I need you to be curious about how it affects me. Let's talk about it. Let's strategize. Can we change this?
1: Even like, what do you think happens on weekends?
0: Yes. Like, what, yes. What,
1: what What is it from your perspective? Yes. Is it, that you just want to have a chill, loosey-goosey time with your children and that yeah. these plans are kind of getting in your way and you're sort of yeah. deliberately ignoring yeah. them? Or it could yeah. be, you, I mean, yeah, you can't know what's in somebody else's head until, until you ask.
0: Yeah.
1: And even and then, totally, they're probably wrong. And even wrong. Then,
0: <laughs> they've got to know. They've got to know, right? They've got to have the yeah. insight. The other thing I'd say, and I totally agree with you on this, Alice, is this is a blended family and this is a really common and difficult um problem i think when you are step parenting or you're an adult in someone else's family or however you want to describe it i reckon there's an opportunity here to go hey go and do stuff with your kids i'll have some time with the baby or or on my own you take the baby and just see how that goes like just Mm -hmm. give it a go rather than trying to be the mary poppins of the situation just kind of handball it and if they have a shit time they have a shit time if they have a great time good on them either way you just take that time back and stop being the duck you know paddling and trying to make everything all right just let it go and see what happens All right, we're going to end on two of my favourite segments. You go as deep or as shallow as you want, Alice Fraser. We have no shade on my ex where you tell us something silly that an ex has done. I mean, it might be that they needed to be told to hug you, for example. <laughs> um <laughs> And lastly, there are 10 but, so you're sitting on a date with someone, obviously you're in a relationship, you'll have to imagine this, you're sitting on a date with someone, it's a first or second date, it's early on, they're amazing, you're all in, and then they do something where you go, oh, absolutely not. All right? so no shade on my ex, can you share something silly?
1: Something silly.
0: I mean, it can be serious as well, where, wherever you want to go, I'll go with you.
1: Um, hmm. It's not exactly uh, an ex situation, but this is a, a high school uh, sort of romance slash friendship where yeah. um, there was a person and our mutual friend was talking up this like attraction between us. Yeah, and We w- would would shuttle the notes between us. Yeah. And was sort of really invested in the process of of our romance. Uh, And then between one school week and the next, uh, this note passer ended up with the person.
0: Oh. (laughs) Oh, well, listen, it wasn't you.
1: No, it wasn't me. Mm. I was I like at the time. I was like, why, why what? would she do that? <laughs> like it's clearly, she, uh, she hadn't been able to deal with her own attraction to that person. Yes, and kind of used me as the tongs. Yes, but it was sort of a very Cyrano de Bergerac yes. situation.
0: You were ex- the conduit. Except I,
1: I was the hot, dumb one. Yes. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. You couldn't be further from the hot dumb one. But I think this is, I mean, obviously this is par for the course in young relationships, but I think it's worth even from this age, considering the investment. If you start to get really invested in someone else's relationship, just have a think about what your investment is, you know, (laughs) like, because we don't always understand our own motivations either. Like, why are you so titillated? Um, one of the things we talk about, for example, on this podcast, a lot is how many, um, of my married friends or friends in long-term relationships who are so invested in my dating mm. and on one level, I get it. Cause I've been that person and it's exciting and you're living vicariously. I think it's also worth considering how that reflects on your relationship. And that doesn't yeah. mean your relationship's terrible, but is there something that is missing? Um, yeah. from your relationship that you would like to get back.
1: Yeah, yeah, and there are, even if it's just the feeling of falling in love, yeah, there are other ways to get that than yes. breaking up and starting a new relationship.
0: There sure are, yeah, but they do require conscious effort, I think. If you've been together for a long time, you know, I mean, it's such a cliche, but it's true, it, it's work. You know, you have to, it's very easy to put, that at the bottom of the list, and you shouldn't be put at the bottom of the list, and nor should you put them at the bottom of the list.
1: Yeah, I think one of the worst lies our culture tells is about what love is. Yeah. That that for, for me, at least, mm. love is finding someone who you're happy to do the work alongside. Yes. Um. Yes. So if yes. you can imagine yourself at the coal face or mm. facing a problem with them mm. and the problem is you and your yeah. relationship and life yeah. and everything that it's going to throw at you and, and aging and yeah all everything yeah it's it's finding a good a good teammate
0: a good te- okay. it's not the poetry it's not the fanny flutters it's not the new relationship energy like i hope you got all that too but that's not the foundation. I couldn't agree more. It's the can I walk toward the difficulties that life is inevitably going to throw up? Will you hold my hand? Yeah. Like both literally and metaphorically. And we, we I don't know, we've lost that sense, I think.
1: Yeah. Oof. Arrange your own marriage. Arrange. <laughs>
0: Now, there are 10, but you're sitting on a date with, you know, the hottest, hot and hot hottie you can imagine, and everything's going great. And then they just do something. Look, try and go superficial. I don't think you're capable, but there try. There are 10, but all
1: their exes are crazy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's oh, always a green flag, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was always everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? There's some real truth to that. I think if you, if you can be on a date with someone who can show some ownership in the previous relationships that has ended to me, that's a massive green flag. Yeah. Yeah. And the opposite is also true. All these bitches be crazy. Really? I'd like to chat to those bitches.
1: Yeah. I, I find it so discomforting when people talk about talk degradingly about other people because yeah. it feels like yeah. yeah well if that's in your toolkit how are you talking about me when I'm not yes.
0: there oh um, of course and how are you going to talk about me when this ends but even on a really superficial level and I've been in this situation on a few dates it's like are you you aren't you trying to seduce me or at least woo me like why would I want to talk about how crazy your ex is or the shit that they like it's not hot Alice it's
1: not hot hot. yeah if you can't also yeah if you can't remember why you loved them or what was good about them or yes what 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 need they served in you then yes your perception of reality is skewed you're showing either a lack of judgment that you've dated all these crazy bitches one after the other
3: yeah yeah
1: or a a lack of self-awareness that you're rewriting history And either of those things is not what I want in a relationship.
0: No, and I will add the third, you're being rude. Like I'm here in front of you. So can we talk about me and you and the things we like and get to know each other? Because I don't want to talk about your ex. Like maybe if you start developing a relationship and you need to understand context and triggers and all of that kind of stuff totally understand that part of it, of getting into the minutiae of what led you to being single at this age or previous relationships. But if you're going into that on the first date, second date, even the first handful, to me, it's a really bad sign. Either they're not over it or they're bitter or they, as you said, they've rewritten history. And if they've rewritten history, they don't have insight. If they don't have insight, they haven't changed and they're going to be the same with me.
3: Hmm.
0: oh yeah. I feel like we've just fixed everything
3: yeah
0: <laughs> now fabulous Alice Fraser I almost went to call you beautiful then and my feminist instincts kicked in so I will retract that in my own mind and on the podcast you can be the fabulous Alice Fraser instead tell us Thank all you. the things you're doing what can we find your books coming out let's do the plugs so I have a
1: writers meeting tw- yes. two writers meetings a week if you join up at patreon.com Alice Fraser, yep. you can currently get access to that and my salons and book clubs for a dollar a month uh, which is stupid yeah and I will fix it Come on. <laughs> so that- but at the moment, well, I got rid of all the levels during COVID because everyone's so stressed about money and now I have to reinstitute them, but I am not organized enough to do that. So jump on board
0: and get extremely high value at patreon.com slash Alice Fraser. So I will put just before you move on to the next one, I will put a link to that in the show notes. And can I say for people who are listening and don't may not have a full understanding of what that means. There's plenty of people who want to, attempt, um, you know, a pivot into a creative kind of career. I mean, what a perfect opportunity, like, to work with someone who's experienced and in that industry. I mean, the dollar of a month, I mean. I mean it's,
1: it is objectively is
0: stupid. Insanity, <laughs> <I should. laughs> right? But for the listeners, like, if you're thinking maybe I've got something in me, I've got a story to tell, I want to write, like, get into it.
1: Yes. I have a funny podcast called The Gargle, a serious podcast called Tea with Alice. Yes, yes and i have a book available at unbound.com yeah um and i i, I don't even know how to begin to describe it
0: but, but i don't it. either i don't <laughs> either and i've tried I try i listen i've done all the things and i can't describe it either other it's than a, to say it's
1: a real book about the works of a pretend author that i made yeah. up for a stupid podcast and it's yeah. so dumb and so funny it's and I just finished writing it, and I think it's really good. So, and if
0: you love words and ideas and feeling slightly, you know what, your stuff reminds me of a feeling I had in Mona, right? The um, the gallery in Tassie, and I was wandering ah, the poo around, machine, right? And I, yes, the poo machine. <laughs> and I went up to a staff member and I said, "I I feel very lost. Like I don't know where to go or how to get out." And he's like, "Yeah, that's how it's meant to feel." okay okay and I really for someone who does like to have control of a situation that's really good for me you know and that's that's how I see your what you bring to the world where I'm like I don't know what she's doing oh that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) so I will put all the links to all the things and just because we're both literary nerds I thought I will share Right at the end, and no one can find this. But back in the day, in the '90s in Perth, I had a talkback radio show where ah. I answered questions on the Brontes and only the Brontes. <laughs> that is wonderful. And people called in. It was called Dear Thomas, and I would only take questions on the Brontë sisters and their work. So I feel we're kindred spirits.
1: That that is that's good. That's made my day. <laughs> Nellie, thank you so much for having me on. This has been genuinely lovely.
0: Thank you so much. Will you come back? Because I have so many more questions for you.
1: Yes, any day. I
0: literally. would absolutely love it. And the next time you get to ask me a question, which is most terrifying, but, you know, that's how it goes for sloppy seconds. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Alice uh, Razor.
1: Thank you.
3: Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nellie. Yes, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk. Think as you do.